Hello everyone, today we are going to be taking a look at the House Umber Great Axes. I'm not going to bore you with introductions, so let's just jump right in. Here we have a 7 point unit, and this is what you're going to be getting for those 7 points. We're going to start off with a speed of 4, this is going to put them squarely below average for most of the starts, and this is going to be their greatest weakness. We'll get back to that later though. We're going to have a defense save of a 4+, and a morale save of a 6+, putting them squarely average on both. And now let's move to the actual interesting part of these guys. These guys have two melee attack profiles. The first one is going to be Executioner's Fury, which hits on a 2+, starts with 6 dice, moves down to 4 dice, and stops at 4 dice when they're in the red, and with the following special abilities. This attack may only be used if this unit began the turn engaged. Defenders do not get defense saves against this attack. If this unit has only one remaining rank, this attack gains critical blow. Rolls of 6 cause 2 hits. In addition to this attack, they have the Mighty Cleave melee attack as well. Hits on a 3+, starts at 8 dice, moves down to 6 dice, and caps down at 6 dice when they are in the red, with the following special ability. For each failed defense save, the defender suffers one additional hit from this attack. This does not repeat. So obviously on this unit here, the unique thing about them is going to be the two melee attack profiles. This is going to give them the option to take on a variety of units, whether it's going to be high armor defense targets, or a bunch of chaff units that have a terrible defense save. Uh, Executioner's Fury, as noted, doesn't allow defense saves of any kind. The stipulation, though, is that it can only be used if you begin your turn engaged. This is going to make the Great Axes a threat against most high-armored cavalry, such as Knights of Casterly Rock, um, Tully Cavaliers, Flayed Men, the Mountain That Rides, really anything that's going to require, or, sorry, rely on its defense save to stay alive. Conversely, you also have Mighty Cleave which means that units that have a 5-plus defense on average are really going to fare badly against this unit uh, as well, namely because this is going to cause one additional hit every time that they fail a defense save. God forbid you have a unit that has a 6-plus, such as Bastards Girls. These guys really like killing dogs, apparently. What this is going to do is combine into this unit to allow them to basically take on any threat they come across as long as they can get to it. The thing to note is that they have a lot of offensive potential and there's not a target that they can't crack through, but they're trading this for squarely average defensive stats in that 4 plus defense and that 6 plus morale and a below average speed. Uh, if you are new to the game or just figuring out some tactics, the shift from a speed of 5, which is the average in the game, to a 4 can really, really come back to bite you. I mean, it's going to take a 10 inch march down to an 8 inch march. It's going to, you know, prevent you from maneuvering across the battlefield in any swift way. And depending on the game mode, that can really come back to bite you. Some of the other game modes, such as Clash of Kings and whatnot, are not going to be as heavily reliant on that. But any that are going to have you be playing to objectives, this can be a problem. On the other hand, though, these guys are actually decent at holding objectives because, frankly, no enemy wants to charge them. And that's because of that Executioner's Fury attack. These guys really like just sitting there and receiving a charge because then they get to attack back with Executioner's Fury hitting on 2+, plus and not allowing defense saves. But one thing I will note is that that is a big trap for a lot of players on both sides. Executioner's Fury caps out at 6 dice without outside influences, and on average is going to be rolling about 4 dice, assuming these guys have lost a rank. Causing 4 wounds hitting on 2+, plus, let's just assume that you're going to hit every time on 2+, plus, is nice. But it's not an insane amount of damage compared to, you know, average rolls. It just helps you bypass a lot of problems. If you really want to get some larger damage out there and actually kill units down, Mighty Cleave is actually going to be your go-to for that. Especially on the charge because it's your only option. You'll be hitting on 3+, getting rerolls, and, you know, potentially being able to actually deal a lot of damage out there. 
depending on the armor value, defense value of the target, and also what tactics cards you have. For example, Northern Ferocity that gives you Sundering on your attack pairs perfectly with Mighty Cleave. Giving them a minus one to their defense save means that you take a unit that was a four plus, now it's a five plus, they're passing that save 33% of the time, but now every time they fail, they're gonna suffer an additional hit. Yeah, it's useless of Executioner's Fury, but your potential damage output combined with Mighty Cleave is super high. So really, that's the takeaway for these guys, is you're going to have a unit that, on the offense, can deal with pretty much any problem you come across. Um, it's just a matter of knowing how to play to and against their weaknesses. And the biggest weaknesses they're going to have is, again, going to tie back to that 4 uh, speed. Now, there are definitely some options to help mitigate that, which we'll get into in a bit. But that's the thing you're going to have to constantly be taking into consideration when you're playing these guys. Really, you need to not get blinded by the fact that, like, oh my god, these guys have such cool attacks. Those attacks aren't going to matter in the slightest if you can never actually get engaged with an enemy. So with these guys, you're going to want to send them hunting after units that the rest of your army can't deal with, or put your opponent into a bad position where they have to deal with these guys. And really, that's going to be your best use of them is to camp on an objective or place them somewhere on the battlefield that your opponent cannot ignore them and at some point is going to have to devote resources to getting rid of them. Because once these guys get entrenched into a fight, that's where they begin to shine. When these guys have to take the offensive route and start to have to hunt down enemy units, that's where they're going to begin to suffer a bit. And frankly, a smart opponent can also just retreat and probably run away from these guys fairly well. Because again, we're talking about a speed of 4+. plus. If a unit that has speed 5 retreats, and gets, you know, an average, you know, uh, distance, which I know we're talking averages on a single die, whatever. These guys might not even be able to charge them without getting a 5 or 6 on the roll. And even when they do, they're going to rely on that Mighty Cleave, which while it's a potent attack, everyone's really going to want to be focusing on that Executioner's Fury. So, that's the general overview here. Let's go ahead and look at the attachments that I would stick on this. Uh, for these unit analysis, I'm going to limit this to the top three attachments that I would put on them. Because frankly, most of them are going to have merits in different situations. But of course, things are going to synergize a little bit better than others. And this section could go on and on if I didn't just limit it to the top three. So I'm going to go and get this out of the way. The absolute best attachment that you can stick on these guys is going to be Bran and Hodor. And of course, this is my opinion, but take it for what you will. Bran and Hodor is going to make this a 10-point unit. But for those three points, you're going to get a Direwolf uh, in Summer, which is nice. But I'm not going to get into that because Summer is own thing. We're going to focus specifically on what Bran and Hodor does for this unit. And what they're going to do is going to give you Bran's skin changing, which is when Bran's unit, aka these Great Axes, or Summer makes a melee attack, you deal the target an additional D3 automatic hits. Uh, something that a lot of new players seem to overlook is the fact that attachments give their abilities to the unit. This is not just random hits. These are going to the attack that they're actually being used on. So if Executioner's Fury, those D3 additional automatic hits don't allow defense saves. And can also benefit from Critical Blow, but frankly you're not, you can't roll sixes on that, so that's a moot point. Actually, forget I mentioned that, that's just going to confuse people. Point being, is that you're going to give yourself an additional D3 automatic hits that are not allowing defense saves. If you stacked onto Mighty Cleave, those are additional hits that can potentially um, trigger the Mighty Cleave where they don't get, you know, they have to roll another defense save, so that's just a fantastic thing. In addition to this, though, you're going to get your once per game Hodor ability, which is when they're charged, the enemy's going to suffer a disorderly charge. As we talked about just a second ago, these guys here really like to be put into a position on the battlefield where your opponent has to deal with them. And frankly, if you can make your opponent charge into you to get that strike back, that's going to be all the better. 
So if you do that and play it smart with Hodor here, you can mitigate the damage from that charge by making it disorderly and rolling minus two attack dice, and then really swing back on them with um, your Executioner's Fury attack. So just those two effects combined and the fact that you're getting a direwolf really makes Bran and Hodor like the best option uh, for me to stick with this unit. Now I will say coming in a very, very close second though is going to be uh, Rob Stark the Young Wolf. So what you're going to get here is you're going to get another direwolf again, but you're also going to give enhanced mobility to the unit, which is they're going to get plus one speed and they always pivot before marching, which effectively means these guys never, ever have to maneuver. They're always going to be instead marching 10 inches across the battlefield, pivoting before and after, which is going to make these guys stupid fast and take away their one big weakness. In addition to that, you're going to get rapid assault, which is if you're targeted by the maneuver zone, they may make a free charge action instead of a maneuver slash retreat action. That's icing on the cake. That's kind of beneficial to most every unit, but really you're taking this, uh, Rob, for the enhanced mobility. That turns this unit into just a blender attached to a pair of rocket skates that gets to just, you know, stomp across the battlefield. I know a lot of people like taking Rob in a unit of Umber Berserkers, but frankly, the extra speed is nice, but not really needed with guys who already move six. But when you're taking guys who move four, bumping them up to a five and allowing them to basically just move 10 inches every time they do something, that's a big difference. And again, getting this unit into position and into a nasty point in the battlefield, that is really going to be the best use of them. And so that is going to be a really great solid option. Frankly, if you're running a uh, House Umber list anyway, taking two units, one with Brandon Hodor and one of Rob Stark, can be just outright nasty. Yeah, it's going to be 20 points of your army, but frankly, round that out with a couple units of Berserkers. And you know, you've already got a really nasty army that your opponent... There's not a single unit in that army that can't just mulch through anything it comes across. Um, rounding out number three is actually going to be Brendan Tully, Unyielding Knight, the attachment version for Brendan Tully. And the reason I like adding him in here is because he is going to first off give the units Stalwart. So they're going to get plus two to their morale saves, bringing them down to a four plus uh, effectively. Which is nice because while a 6 plus is, the, is strictly average for the Starks, these guys really want to get stuck in combat and getting that little extra bit of staying power from the, um, morale, from the morale benefit that he's going to give is really going to help you out. Uh, his other ability is Hold the Line, which is if this unit begins the turn engaged, their melee attacks gain plus 1 to hit and roll plus 2 dice. Okay, so most of the time when you are engaged, you're going to be wanting to use, to use Executioner's Fury. The plus one to hit is going to be kind of wasted on that because you always miss on one, but you're rolling two additional dice. The biggest fault for Executioner's Fury is that its damage potential is pretty high, but its kill potential as far as actually removing models from units is fairly low. This is going to help you mitigate that by allowing you to technically roll up to eight dice uh, if you're at full ranks or, you know, stacking something in there like uh, Caitlyn Stark. But this synergizes really well if you're reduced down to one rank and then you get that critical blow because now you're rolling six dice and those sixes are causing two hits that are, again, not allowing defense saves. Uh, conversely, this also stacks really well with Mighty Cleave. So you're going to be able to get plus one to hit, bringing that to a two plus, and rolling two additional dice that have the potential to cause additional hits as well. Uh, this is really solid for two points, and as a cheaper option to the other two, that extra point can really matter. So those are going to be my top three picks. Really, it's going to depend on your kind of play style, on which ones you want to take, and really the role that these guys are going to be filling in the grander scheme of your army, as far as which one you're going to put on there. 
Brennan Tully's really hard to ignore two points. If you want a really fast, nasty unit, then you got Rob Stark. And if you want a general, well-rounded unit that's also going to give you um, Summer as well, then you can go ahead and throw in Brandon Hodor. Frankly, again, none of those are bad options. There are some other good options as well, but those are by far like a level above my top, uh, the rest as far as top three go. So let's finish this off by looking at the commanders that really are going to benefit from these guys here. The very first one that comes to my mind is going to be, surprise, Great John Umber. Uh, I'm not going to get into this too much because that should be just a gimme here. Okay, Great John Umber synergizes with House Umber units. These guys are a House Umber unit. Okay, we're not talking Rocket Doctory here. That's just going to be the natural synergies, so I'm not going to get into that. Second commander, though, that I would run these guys with, though, is actually going to be Brendan Tully, the Blackfish. Uh, his general play style is you're going to want to get entrenched in melee and just really make your opponent suffer through attrition. And that's absolutely what these guys are about. You can take Brendan Tully himself as his commander version and stick him in the unit. That's going to make them a House Tully unit to trigger all of his tactics cards. It's going to give them Stalwart, which is good for the reasons we just talked about. And it's also going to give them Blackfish's Resolve, which is each time they pass a morale test, they may restore one wound. That is a kind of a tertiary benefit there because the House Tully benefit and the Stalwart are better. But it's going to give them a little bit more staying power. If we look at his tactics cards, though... Several of them are really just built into how these guys already want to play. The first one is that um, you have Tully Valor, which is when the unit is attacked with melee. After attack dice are rolled, you get plus one to your defense save rolls. This is going to move them from a 4 plus to a 3 plus, and that really does matter. I mean, as far as anyone has played against, you know, say Lannister guards, you know that a 3 plus defense save can just really be a pain in the ass to punch through. And that's really going to help these guys out. They already have a 6-plus uh, morale save, which is already pretty good. But again, if you stick Brennan Tully in with them, this card allows them to automatically pass the panic check that they would make. But frankly, these guys want to get stuck in melee, and adding to your defense save is going to help you last longer in melee to begin with. You also refuse to yield with Brendan Tully, which is going to help you heal a little bit up and uh, heal up as well. That's going to again following the same general theme that we just talked about, so I won't get that into much. And then you're also going to have Set for Charge. Now this card is absolutely fantastic for the Berserkers, I'm sorry, not the Berserkers, the Great Axes, because again, it's playing in that playstyle of these guys want to be kind of an area control uh, unit that's going to force your opponent to come to them. Set for charge though, now you're not going to be able to use your Executioner's Fury with because you have to start the turn engaged, but you're going to be able to use it with Mighty Cleave. So they're going to charge into you, and you're just going to cleave right into them. In addition to this, again, if they're a House Tully unit, then... If you stuck Brendan with them, the enemy's going to become weakened, giving you a bit more survivability, and thus be able to, you know, really hit them back with Executioner's Fury. But it's really the fact that Set for Charge synergizes so well with the potential damage output that Mighty Cleave has, because the, your chances of destroying a rank are pretty high with that, depending on what comes into you. Um, and so, being able to just further reduce them down like that and play that attrition game, that's really how this unit wants to play. So, you know, Brendan's cards really just synergize so well with these guys' battlefield role that it really does help them out um, quite a bit. And he's one of my top commander picks for if I'm going to play Brendan. I definitely want to consider running an army with the uh, Umber Great Axes. Frankly, you'll be playing a slower army with him because you're probably going to be running Tully Sworn Shields, but then you're also going to have your Umber Great Axes. So you can have a really slow kind of tanky army, but man, is that just a giant wall of death that is coming up on your opponent. 
Uh, real quick rundown, just run some Telly Sworn Shields for your defensive options, run some Great Axes for your offensive options, and then throw in some Longbowmen to fire into those combat uh, combats and help, you know, just um, whittle down the opponent even more. As far as other commanders, uh, since we're sticking this to a top three, my last one that I would probably stick in with them is actually going to be Eddard Stark, Lord of Winterfell. Now, it was a toss-up between him and Roderick Cassil. Roderick does a lot of things with playing with vulnerable tokens, which are nice, but half of the attacks with the Umber Great Axes, aka their Executioner's Fury, don't really give a damn about vulnerable. So Eddard kind of won out in the end here. And the reason for that is because you're going to have Lead by Example as one of his fantastic cards. That's going to give you additional attack dice uh, for both Eddard's unit and for the Great Axes if you use them. I'm Now I'm saying this with a preface uh, that if you are running Eddard, you're probably running his Honor Guard, so that's why I'm not going to ever include the fact that he's probably not going to be in a unit of Great Axes. You're probably going to be running his Honor Guard instead. But either way, this is going to give you additional dice when you're... Uh, honor Guard slash Umber Great Axes attack, and frankly, anything that gives these guys additional dice is going to be a fantastic option to give with them, because again, you're going to get more kill potential with both of your attacks, either from ignoring defense saves outright or causing more potential wounds with Mighty Cleave. In addition to this, you're going to have Northern Defiance, though, which these guys don't really need that much. But frankly, again, six plus uh, morale save is strictly average across the Starks. So therefore, this is just kind of one of those cards that's, you know, okay to have. The other one, though, uh, that they have is Fury for the Fallen, which actually doesn't uh, interact with these guys in any way. So we're just going to skip over that. But anyway, as far as the top three commanders go, Great John Number is by far the number one pick because go figure, House Umber unit. Next one is going to be Brendan Tully. And my last one is going to be Eddard Stark. Now, I did actually consider in this one here looking at um, Rob Stark, the Wolf Lord, uh, here as well, because he does have a lot of options to help with mobility and things like that. But frankly, um, these guys want to when they're these guys are in combat. That's kind of where they're going to be happiest. So I don't really see a lot of need for his cards, such as like tactical regroup or superior positioning, uh, hit and run. You know, those cards are all very nice, but they're just okay with these umber great axes because whereas most units, if they do get in combat. You know, that hit and run aspect is going to be nice. Frankly, though, when Umber Great Axes get in combat, they kind of just want to sit there. You know, there's very few units that you can say that about, but that's definitely one of them. They're happy just sitting there and swapping blows with the opponent because eventually they're going to win. All right, so that is going to be a overview here of the house Umber Great Axes. Um, hopefully you have found this informative, and if you disagree with it entirely, that is absolutely your prerogative. <laughs> Uh, join us next time, and we're going to be taking a look at another unit and giving another deep dive as well. Until then, the question I would pose to you guys is, what would be your favorite commander to run with the Umber Great Axes outside of Great John Umber? And as a opponent, what is going to be your main strategy for dealing with these guys? Are you going to simply try to avoid them, you know, not get locked in combat with them, aka the best option, or do you have some other sneaky tactics up your sleeve for dealing with them? So uh, let me know, and we'll see you next time. Take care.